been said and proven of course that loneliness can lead to all sorts of terrible predicaments I guess you know just just mentally but it ends up being a physical problem and this is a terrific idea that's happening here at Curtin University Dr David Priest joins me in the studio he's uh, leading as a study lead in clinical enable institute you are with are you not yes Curtin yeah. enable institute that's the one I'm glad you said that <laughs> good to see you David I hope you're not lonely you're okay Thanks for having me. I'm doing pretty well at the moment. <laughs> That's fantastic. This is, it's needed, research mm. into this. It's yes. all very well to say, I'll go and get a hobby. Um, how can you be lonely when you've been working all your life and you've got your grandkids and that sort of thing? But by gee, I'll tell you what it is there. Yeah, loneliness is a big issue in the community across the world, unfortunately, right across the lifespan. It's often yeah. seen as that stereotypical or maybe it's more of an older adult issue but right across the lifespan we see big levels of loneliness in many people's lives and 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 really struggling with that do you know i was speaking to you earlier about this is that people that find themselves in a situation probably through retirement or Mm. whatever the situation lost their job and they're at home and that sort of thing they don't like to tell people do they that they're lonely yeah, there's unfortunately, there could be a bit of felt stigma around loneliness. Where Why is that, do you think? I think it can be difficult to know the exact reasons for it, but there's research showing that when you ask people directly, when you're trying to assess loneliness and you ask someone directly, are you lonely, you're much more likely to say, you're much less likely to have someone say yes to that than if you ask them more indirectly, asking, oh, how alone do you feel and things like that. So we know that people do feel this, this, this stigma around oh, I'm a bit embarrassed to tell people I'm lonely, feeling like, oh, I'm I'm meant to have this good social world or I'm meant to be able to carry on without needing a bunch of and relying on a bunch of other people in my life. So loneliness does seem to be something people have difficulty talking about. Yeah, because they don't want to bother others and have others try and solve it for them. Because, I mean, in reality, we are pack animals. We do need to have company. Don't we? It's it's a fact. It's ingrained in us. And I mean, loneliness is normal. Loneliness is at its core an emotion. It's, It's a unique type of emotion in that it stems from this perception that my social needs are not being met. And at its core, being an emotion... Like all emotions, it, it's normal. It, it has a purpose. So loneliness can drive us towards mm. these social connections that are so important in our life. But it can also, like all emotions, maybe pop up at the wrong times, be too intense or be too long in duration and then cause a lot of problems in our life. And so that severe and chronic form of loneliness is its a problem and it's unfortunately really prevalent, uh, around 30% of people will be experiencing severe and chronic loneliness. Is it becoming more more definite? We saw during COVID rates rise, there was some studies showing in Australia, for example, that one in two Australians said they were feeling more lonely during the pandemic. Yeah, I can understand that. And and so in recent years, it's definitely come more into focus and does seem to be becoming a bigger problem in the Is it our lifestyle that sometimes you know pushes us it pushes us to go into loneliness with divorce rates and family breakdowns and living in an apartment and you're not getting up and going to work each day yeah there there can be a few different things behind loneliness so loneliness is at its core it's different from objective social isolation so it's different from how many people we have in our life there's people that have a lot of big social networks 
yet feel very, very lonely. You can, can't you, in a crowded room? Yeah, and people that don't have a big network that aren't feeling lonely. So there is a distinction, but there's definitely a link there where the more events you have in your life where you feel disconnected from others, where I don't feel like I have people in my life I can rely on, maybe I have a divorce, I have my friendship group, I don't see them as much because I've just gone from school to university or to work. These events can have a big impact in our life. So to some extent, not having these opportunities for good social engagement in our life can be a big factor behind loneliness, but there's other factors as well. There are things that happen in people's lives that can mm. lead them to loneliness, which they can't plan for. Sure. You know, like you say, family breakdown, that sort of thing. And to get over that, it can physically affect people, surely. Yeah, yeah. So we see one of the reasons that we're very interested in loneliness, and many researchers are, is that when you've got that severe and chronic form of loneliness, it's a big risk factor for a range of not great outcomes. So mental health outcomes like increased rates of depression, anxiety, suicide rates, substance Mm. use, but also physical outcomes, increased risk of cardiovascular disease and, and things like this. So it's not just loneliness in isolation, it's it has impacts on a wide array of, of other really oh, important health outcomes. You can feel dead inside because you start to question your own um, capabilities of mixing with people. You start to withdraw even more, I think. Yeah, yeah. It, it can definitely be yeah. part of a difficult cycle with loneliness where often people that are a bit more at risk of loneliness, there can be a mindset where I'm, I'm quite worried about rejection i'm i'm really on the lookout for rejection and if rejection were to happen i feel like it would be the worst thing ever Mm. and when we're in that kind of space which isn't an uncommon space to be in often our reactions behaviorally do can be to withdraw to isolate well i don't want to put myself at that risk it's going to be horrible if it goes wrong that's true and so we can then Mm. our social world can we find ourselves in in this isolated space and a bit of a cycle that's difficult to get out of when you look at animals, they often, not all, but most, you know, travel in packs, they stay together, you know, and, and we should learn from that. There's nothing wrong with that. But you have to be with like-minded people. You know, if you're, if you're lonely and you just go out to the local pub and mm. get that may not be the what should you, be your lifestyle. It should be something else. Yeah, I think we it's really, really important to find that meaning in life and, and explore life with other people that, that we connect with. And so one of, sometimes people ask me, well, what, are, what are things we can do if, if I'm feeling lonely? And, and one of the things, it's not the only thing, but is to set specific behavioural goals to do activities and particularly group activities that will create in my world more opportunities for social engagement and but more opportunities to meet like-minded people and so one recommendation as a clinical psychologist often make around that is setting goals to do group activities but activities that you enjoy inherently it might be i like running so i join the running club i like chess so i do chess uh, I, I really like painting i join this join this painting group and a nice thing there can be say we go to this group activity and we don't meet someone that we click with. Well, it wasn't wasted time. We spent time enjoying doing painting or we spent time enjoying yeah. doing... Can, it can reduce some of the pressure around, I need to go, I need to meet someone. And so, but, but alongside that, different types of people will be at different types of activities, right? And, and, and finding the types of people that we connect with. Mm-hmm. I think that can be a really nice strategy, thinking about what are the sorts of activities and ways I want to spend my life and 
how can I try to get opportunities to meet other people that like that as well? And there is a risk of becoming very vulnerable and then perhaps meeting up with people for the sake of it, thinking that could be the answer, but they could be the wrong people in your life. Yeah, I think relationships are obviously such an important part of our life, but there are many parts of life. There's our hobbies, there's our interests, there's our work and education, there's kind of our broader health and and, and a personal development. Relationships are a really cool part of life, but I, I think sometimes there can be a difficulty where we our focus becomes too much on one of those domains and we, we lose that balance yeah. with the other aspects. And and so often there can be that 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 nice strategy of reflecting, okay, relationships are important. Me what do I want in my relationship life and how can I get the opportunities to explore that? But also what are the other parts of my life outside of relationships that, that I can strike up that balance as well when the pressure of the relationships are getting mm. a bit too high? You said earlier that the age group that are very vulnerable to this, um, from 16 to 25. Yeah, yeah. As, as I said before, there's sometimes this stereotype of it, it might be loneliness is more common in older people, but in fact we see it right across the lifespan and a big peak in, in people aged 16 to 25. I think it's a really tough time with transitions yeah. i'm going from school to uni or work maybe my friend groups that i'm around are changing it's a time when my identity often relies a lot on how well am i fitting in with people around me there's a lot of things going on and transitions during that time that make it a really vulnerable period for people if you know of somebody and maybe from the workplace you work together and mm. they have moved on somewhere and you have checked up and you can sense that they are becoming extremely lonely mm. is it appropriate to say are you okay um yeah yeah i think it, i think it's really nice to check in with people it can mean so much yeah. to people to to feel like other people care about us it's really core to our existence as human beings right from childhood to feel like there's important people in my life that that yeah. care about me and so to have other people reach out and and show that they care even with True. simple things like just checking in on how they're going i think yeah. can make such a such a big impact on people and encouraging them to talk about it as well where they might feel oh, i don't want to burden or bother other people with this whereas that that invitation to hey yeah, Talk come. to me about how things are going. Yeah, how about so we meet and have a coffee, that sort of thing. Yeah. yeah, include them. I couldn't agree with you more. Tell us about the study. Yeah, so the research we're doing has just been funded by the, the RAIN Medical Research Foundation. It's going to be a two-year project. And the idea with it is we're developing a new questionnaire, a new assessment tool to measure loneliness more accurately. And so that's going to help, I think, researchers and clinicians across how the world. How are you going to do that? So... It's going to be a questionnaire. One of my main areas of research is psychometric questionnaire development, where we have these psychological questionnaires that are designed to measure certain things in psychology, and something we can measure is loneliness. And so we're going to create a new questionnaire, and the way it's going to improve on past ones is, with loneliness, it's very important to know when I'm reporting how lonely I am, is that the past week, is that the past six months, is that the past year, getting at this, this chronicness of loneliness? But also the intensity of loneliness. So how intense are these experiences? And so traditionally our loneliness questionnaires, they've just asked how often do you tend to feel lonely without necessarily specifying is it a week, is it six months? So you can't really get at the chronicness of it. And they also haven't asked about intensity. And we know from the emotion field more broadly that it's really important with emotions to ask 
how easily activated are they or how often do they happen, but also how intense and long in duration do they tend to be. Mm. And when you do that, you get a much better idea of the emotion and you can predict important outcomes like mental health problems much better. And so we're going to now be applying that to the loneliness field with this assessment arm. And the assessment, I think, will be really impactful. But where the rubber hits the road then is identifying who needs the most help with loneliness and who's struggling in that area so that we can apply treatments. And so the other side of what we're doing in the project is developing a new set of online treatments that people will be able to access for free that will target these different causes of loneliness. Because just like someone goes into the GP's office with a cough, not everyone has that cough for the same reasons, and so the treatment needs to be different. Similar thing with loneliness. There can be different factors behind it. And so we're going to be using our assessment tools to identify who needs help with loneliness and what are the factors behind it, and then having these targeted online treatments that people will be able to access to target the causes behind their loneliness. How are you going to reach the people? How are they going to get access to these questionnaires? Yeah, so in terms of during the research stage, we're going to put the word out to the community and also use some online platforms to recruit people to do the questionnaires and and test out the treatment modules. Once they're done and they've been shown to work nicely, We've got some really important community partners on the project. Good. So, for example, Ending Loneliness Together is an organisation that's doing a lot of raising awareness around loneliness. And and so they're involved in the project. We've also got Centre for Clinical Interventions. Yeah. And, and Fiona Stanley Hospital and Act Belong Commit. And so through these various pathways and, and, the, and the websites of some of these organisations, we're going to be able to get the reach out where we'll have platforms that people can go to where I want to do some treatments around loneliness and be able to access it there. The people that are suffering loneliness Mm. have to be able to get to that point where they want to start to get better, feel okay, right? Yeah. And these organisations you're going to have got people that have got to that point anyway. Would that be right? Yeah, well, a place like Ending Loneliness Together uh, is an organisation which is a lot of raising awareness around loneliness, information and resources around helping with loneliness. And so that's a really good place to be able to go. Someone's feeling a bit unsure around loneliness or a bit alone with loneliness. Is that a website that people could go to? Yeah, so Ending Loneliness Together is a website people can visit. I'd I'd really recommend people reaching out to that, that website. And so it's a place where once we've got these resources for assessment and treatment resources, it's a place that people can then be able to access those kinds of resources for for free out of the community. I think that's really important that these things be accessible. And so a big goal with what we're doing here is, and thankfully the funding that we've got Mm. behind us, allows these things to ultimately, once we know they're working, to get them out for free to people. So initially it's going to be a questionnaire if they've got to the point they really want to change their life and then you are able to, once they've done all that and they keep in touch, you're going to be able to guide them and give them a few suggestions. Yeah, so in terms of the research process, it does have that step process of first we're developing the questionnaire and then we're using that to understand more about loneliness and ultimately develop the treatment modules. Mm. But in terms of once those things are done, people out in the world, they won't necessarily have to do the questionnaire before they, say, access the treatment. Like, okay. if, if people think it's relevant to them, uh, they, they can they can reach out and be able to... The plan is be able to access those things. When is all this going to begin? 
So it, it's just kicked off this year. So okay. it's a two-year project. Yep. And so we're hoping by the end of those two years that... So it started now. Yes, yes, Can started like just this year. Okay, it's underway. So the access to the questionnaire, is that available to people No, no, it's Not still yet. early this days. So it's yeah. going to still be a while before the questionnaire is available, before the treatment modules are available, because the, before they're put out widely to the public, we, we need to test them and validate it and make, make sure it's working well and we understand yeah. it. And so that process will, will take a little while before it's out in the world. So people listening at the moment that feel they'd like to be part of this this research over a two-year period, is there anywhere they can go as now or do we need for you to come back and tell us that now they can go and get the questionnaire? Yeah, right now we're not doing the recruitment just yet because no. it's early stages designing the questionnaire. But in, in, in later this year we'll be putting the word out in various ads across social media platforms and curtain platforms to say, hey... we've got this research now going we've got these things ready to go if you'd like to be involved as a participant please let us know and so that that process of recruitment will be taking place a little later in the year all right you'll let us know then but in the meantime they could go to the website ending loneliness together yeah i think if someone's listening to this and 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 loneliness is is a struggle in their life or that they think maybe other people in their life and they'd like to learn more about it ending loneliness together is a really nice uh platform to go and, and, and get some more information. It's a worldwide health concern. Mm. Yeah, it's not an, just an Australia thing. It's, it's a worldwide thing. And so a real goal with this project as well is to connect in with, with our collaborators in the US and, and, and Europe and have it that's something that's operating not just in Australia but in, in globally as well. Well, it's considered to be a looming public health epidemic. When we hear that word epidemic, it yeah. does become very concerning. Yeah, and that that was even before the COVID-19 pandemic and a yeah. lot of loneliness coming more into focus then. But even before then, it was highlighted as this is this real prevalent issue Yeah, that around 30% of people are having this chronic severe loneliness. And it's something that, that I think there's that, that hope there in that we, we know we can change loneliness. So it's not something that's Good. set in stone that there are these various pathways that we can do to change loneliness. I think a key thing is about finding for each individual what are the pathways that fit best for them and how can we get it, get get resources that are accessible for them. Mm. Well, when you look at the health issues, depression, anxiety, substance misuse, internet addiction. Now, if parents are seeing their children um, spending hours and hours, and it's been talked about a lot, I mean, mm. that's a bit of a, a concern, I would imagine, if that's what they're doing too long, too much. Yeah, there's some interesting research looking at loneliness, mental health issues, and, and internet or social media use. And one thing the social media literature will look at is that there can be some different ways to use social media. There can be perhaps more healthy ways and more unhealthy ways. And so if someone's using social media in a way where they're not really engaging with their friends and commenting and messaging, it's more passively seeing everyone else out there in the world having fun and scrolling through that, it it can be linked with with a lot of Mm. uh, mental health issues. And, And sometimes the balance in our life gets a bit... Uh, it gets a bit out where obviously there can be Mm. really wonderful connections that are made with our friends and things like that online but also 
if our world becomes just about that, mm. that can become really problematic. So making sure yeah. there's that balance in, in life is really and important. And cardiovascular issues and a significantly increased risk of dying prematurely. I mean, that is very serious. Yeah, it's about yeah. a 25% increased risk wow. of dying prematurely when the chronic and severe loneliness is present. And so it's a, mm. it's a real driver behind... It, it's an important issue to, to be able to address loneliness and, yeah. and all the things linked to it. And fortunately, it is something that we can address, as yeah. I mentioned before. Well, you've pointed it out very clearly, and I hope people take advantage of what you're working on, and thank you for doing that. Thank you, David. Uh, Dr. David Priest joining us. Radio.